ANCAST is brought to you by WriteStuffAnime.com. Check out some great deals on anime, manga, merchandise, figures, and more at WriteStuffAnime.com. Disclaimer. The views and opinions you hear expressed by the participants in the show are not the views of AnimeNewsNetwork.com. Enjoy the show. everybody welcome to ancast i'm zach birchie it's time again little like mid-november is about when we do these generally like after most of the major releases have come out it is time for a game show starring our usual guests for one of these things author of the x button you've seen his writing on ann constantly it's todd siolek todd thanks for coming on the show as always oh no problem glad to be an ever-present and ann contributor reliable that's what you are <laughs> and uh, also, you can see his writing on on ANN as well. Uh, it's Dave Riley of the Fast Karate for the Gentleman podcast. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. The first rainy day of the season arrives. So too does the ANN game show. <laughs> it is a beast out there. Uh, New York is drowning. Ill news is an ill guest. Final testament. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so we got plenty to talk about. So much. I was trying to write down a list of like, here's all the games I've played. Uh, and it, it was really long. I guess maybe there's more AAA stuff and big stuff this year than there was. Maybe it feels like maybe more this year than last year. I don't know. I can't tell. I, I felt less. I don't know. Last year felt a little anemic. I yeah. Think, but. Uh, I, I actually do keep a list of all the video games I play throughout the year, so right. I can sort them out at the end of the year when I do a, a, a game of the year thing. Right. And like about a month ago, I was like, I don't think I've played 10 games of the year yet. Really? Uh, it, it started bulking out in October, I think. But to that point, I was like, I don't think I had a lot of fun this year. <laughs> I don't know. See, I think I had so much fun this year. Like... I don't know games. I, for whatever reason, I was just loving the video games this year. I don't. I don't know why. I, I think maybe it's just a bunch of stuff that mm. is specifically targeted at me or my my interests came out or something like that. I, I don't know. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of it was unexpected for sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I personally like thought this was a fantastic year for games. But uh, I, I've heard a lot of that. We're like, oh, game of the year this year. That's going to be tough. Mm. It's going to be tough for me, too, just because there was nothing that really stood out like it stuff has in, in previous years. It's almost like I'm, I'm on an odd uh, odd year, even year cycle where last year there was something that jumped out. And then, of course, the uh, 2012, there was Gravity Rush. But like 2013 and this year are, are just tougher for me to pick that what I really liked. So, Well, Todd, I mean, your taste is so specific. Uh, no. Like, for a publisher to make a thing that you want, they've got to be hitting on some, like, really specific things. Oh. Okay, so, yeah, this was this was a good year for Gravity Rush, though. Maybe not games that come out, but I'm sure next year will we'll be better, so. Right. Yeah, right. Gravity That's Rush. That's how I judge everything now. It's going to be my column. I, um, I forgot to tell you, I'm going to change it next week. It'll just be the weekly Gravity Rush. It, it kind of already is that. <laughs> 
Okay. I meant to have a talk with you about that, actually. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so let, let's kind of dive into what we've sort of been playing for the last a couple of months. Uh, we did one of these back in, uh, you know, right after E3, like we always do in June. A lot of that stuff has come out now. We've played a bunch of it. So, uh, Todd, why don't, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, what have you been playing lately that really that really grabbed you? Uh, well, I've been playing Rodea the Sky Soldier, a review forthcoming. But um, this is a really weird game because it was originally a Wii title that somehow got delayed and ported to the Wii U and the 3DS. And uh, Katakao Games probably did this because, well, it was uh, Yuji Naka and his uh, Probe Studio or Probe. I never know if I'm saying that right. But he somehow made a Wii game in 2011, 2012, and that was kind of like making you know a Sega Saturn game in 1999. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Katakawa put it um, on the back burner and, and brought it out for the Wii and the 3DS. And fortunately, you can get the Wii version if you buy the Wii U version. It's included as a bonus disc, but it's actually the original version that uh, Naka worked on, and it's actually fun. It's You get to zoom around. It's a little bit like the 3D Sonic the Hedgehogs in that sometimes the camera messes up. But they really did a good job of making it streamlined and constantly giving you uh, on that momentum of going forward and flying through the stages. And that's the Wii version. Uh, the Wii U version and the 3DS version are kind of terrible because they use a completely different control system and they change a few of the rules. Like in the Wii version, you can you fly to anything that, within a certain range and you don't have to worry about falling out of the sky. In the other versions, you have like this meter that controls how um, – Long Rodea can stay in the air, and it's a lot easier just to lose track of that and die right in the middle of the of the um, airspace. So that alone is kind of annoying, but the controls are kind of terrible. You basically just <laughs> – uh, it's Sonic 2006 level of oh. ineptitude. It's – just I mean, really? Level, like, so. really? That's a that, – let's not say things we can't take back. Like <laughs> – well, no, he doesn't – it's not about a hedgehog kissing a human princess. Well, no, but I mean like all that aside, like if you're talking about like it's as broken as Sonic it's 2006, like few games are as busted as Sonic <laughs> 2006. Where there are design decisions that do not really make a great deal of sense. Like there's – and you can tell where they were trying to cut back on things. Like there's a part where instead of having you – the Wii version has you go through this these fields of uh, these glowing purple – Poly, um, polyhedrons that you have to get this power up to go through, and the Wii version and the Wii U version just has this little warp thing that shoots you right past it. So it's you can see the point where they just the Katakawa people who, you know, they didn't they weren't working with Yuji Naka or anybody who made the original game. They were just trying to uh, do something with this, and they just you can see the parts where they just gave up really. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen you talking about this and everything, and and so people care about it because it's a Yuji Naka joint, right? I mean, right. that's that's why. Yeah, it's kind of his first game in a long time that's had that you know whole Sonic the Hedgehog, act, Knights, Burning Rangers action game orientation. I mean, he did he did a Ivy the Kiwi and Let's Tap, but those really didn't have that whole nostalgia element where you like to imagine it's 1992 and Sonic isn't terrible yet. <laughs> I mean, it certainly looks nice, at least from screenshots. It's okay. It's, it is a Wii game, so you know it looks kind of the resolution isn't as high as it could be. But they did an okay job with keeping it cohesive, right. at least as far as the Wii game then goes. So yeah, if you're the only problem is, as far as I can tell, you can't really get the Wii game anywhere uh, apart from buying it. I checked a uh, GameFly, and they don't really have the Wii version, so you have to buy the Wii U version at full price to get the 
the Wii version. And somewhere at Gamefly, there's a huge stack of, you know, the good version of Rodea, but... Oh, so you just wait for the Gamefly sale. <laughs> where it's, it's, eight, it. it's $8, and yeah, and then you get the, uh, the bonus. Yeah, it's strange they're not stocking it, but, you know. And <laughs> it's only available with the first-run copies of the Wii U version, but I kind of doubt there's going to be a second run, so... Yeah, I mean, that was like Bayonetta, right? Like, they're not going to do another run of Bayonetta. Mm-hmm, probably not. It's, <laughs> it's, in, it's NIS America, so they, you know... Home of the $150 special editions. Right, that where they made 400 of them. Yeah, for everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I was wondering. So you have to buy the Wii U version to get the Wii version, which that's seems right. to be the one that people yeah. say you should play. Yeah, and you get a reversible cover with it and everything. They cheaped out a little because I think the Japanese version gave you a separate um, case for the Wii, the Wii edition and this one just has it in you know a double disc package, but um, yeah. So if you flip it around though, and, and you, you'll have a bullet, and you put it in another Wii case, no one will be no one will be the wiser. You'll you can pretend it came out in 2012, and it's and the Wii's still alive. No one will suspect. <laughs> yes, they won't come into your home and think, "Hey, is that the Wii U version of Rodea?" And you're like, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not one bit." <laughs> Okay, well that's cool. I mean, uh, you know, it's always it, it's always worthwhile finding out that there is something worth buying on the Wii U. I guess that's but, not it, from Nintendo. Yeah, even, yeah, yeah. That isn't first party, and even in this case, if the thing you're buying is actually a Wii game, I mean, still, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Anything else? Uh, yeah, well, well, I finally got around to playing Undertale. Which uh, okay, uh, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I was talking about that, and you know, I really like it. It's adorable. It's um, has all these neat ideas, and I'm feeling guilty already because I accidentally killed a monster. So, yeah, I accidentally killed a dummy, the uh, the test dummy at the beginning. Oh, whoops! <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't read anything. All I saw was the internet. I was like, oh, the internet seems to be going crazy over this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get it and play it right now, so I just know what it is. Well, you sort of get into that mindset where some RPGs where you you automatically hit the the button when the fight comes up because yeah. you. You want to attack, but if you do that, you're going to kill some innocent little crying fireflies. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the problem. But yeah, it's a really uh, interesting and has a lot of uh, ideas. I don't want to even give any of them away because it's a game we best go in cold. Yeah, uh, I mean it, that's going to be impossible because it's such a thing like on the <laughs> internet. Like it's it among the sort of you know, and I hate I'm not using this as a pejorative. I just mean it seems to be very popular with that crowd. It, it's super Tumblr like kind of game. Right. Like it's, it's Tumblr really into this stuck practically. So yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. That's another reason to kind of avoid it. But you think so? I, I that doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't yeah, have a problem with avoid it. Avoid reading about it beforehand because you'll run into some of the more insane fans. Oh, I but, see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. If you if you haven't heard anything about Undertale and you're in, you you are okay playing a, a an RPG, and you know actually this is kind of a major caveat. And if you're okay struggling with bullet hell stuff because the game yeah. throws a lot of it at you, and towards mm-hmm. the end, honestly. It's so frustrating. It can like, be. it is so frustrating towards the end, the bullet hell stuff. But it's totally worth playing, I think. I thought it was totally yeah, worth it. I would definitely recommend it. And you have to see the real ending. You can't You can't <laughs> yes. just see the first ending that you get. It's uh, it's short, too. So you can – it's going through and getting multiple endings is not that bad. You'll do it in about half the time you take – I think you can see everything in about half the time you take to, um, you know, finish up. I mean, the only thing I'll tell you, like, that's that's the one thing that I wish I would have known 
if somebody would have told, if I had known ahead of time, okay, if you this game you can be pacifist or you can be, or you can That's do whatever so. you want, but if you want if you want to be pacifist, do not attack any anything. Do not attack anything. And honestly, you'll save yourself a lot of time if you want to see the second ending <laughs> if you do that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Undertale, I. One of the games of the year, I think you have to put it on a list just because oh, you know because of yeah. what it was. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, in the moment, I think I was more frustrated with it. After the fact, I really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, funny. You guys are like, it's almost impossible not to get spoiled on it, and, and I I still haven't played it. Okay, I follow a lot of people. Who are Hunting. really into it? Yeah, and I feel like I don't know anything about that game. Good, so, that's good. That's good. The, 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 I know about the Pathless thing, and but like people would like tag their art on Tumblr and be like, "Don't read this if you don't want Undertale spoilers." Mm. And I like click on it, and it's like a skeleton in a hoodie and like a <laughs> fish girl. And yeah, I'm like right. I guess. I mean, your definition of spoiler may be different from mine. <laughs> I mean, it depends on kind of what they're talking. That could be a spoiler. Like what you just said, that could very well be a spoiler. Uh, (laughs) Like it it could because you wouldn't know that those characters would interact that way uh, unless you had seen that picture. Um, I mean, I I think you would really get a kick out of it. I think I almost immediately asked you if you would plan on playing it because, Dave, I was really curious to see your take on it. Uh, And I'm sure you got that a bunch. I'm sure you got that a bunch. Like I totally... I don't know. Sometimes I have to overcome that like instinctual reaction to be like everyone's talking about this. Yeah, but that's it's not exactly that. But like, I usually get a little timid when people are like going crazy over a game because I'm just like, there's no way I'm going to like it as much. As <laughs> yeah, no, y- and I sort of feel guilty about it. Yeah, you're 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 like I think a lot of people maybe like us or our age or maybe a little younger or whatever. But it, it's kind of, you're sort of allergic to fandom hype, like specifically fandom hype. Like where they're just going crazy and you're like, I know I'm going to have to get to this at some point. It's like people who tell you to watch Gravity Falls or whatever, like you you, you kind of <laughs> don't want to after they <laughs> spent all this time. I mean, I, I, I definitely will get to it in the next couple of months. Uh, I'm really interested and in I just haven't like carved out the like insurmountable six hours yeah. to play it. So I know it's just one of those things where like things build up and you forget about stuff but I, I really do want to play it it sounds awesome and the bullet hell stuff is like actually up my alley so Ugh. even though that seems to bother everyone it, i feel like i'll be more okay with it than most people there's a boss fight at the end where i i literally just threw the controller which i have not done in <laughs> since i was a, a dumb baby <laughs> i have yeah. not thrown a controller <laughs> i mean i feel like i saw a lot of people talking about stuff towards the end where they were just like this is ridiculous. It stops being fun for sure. Yeah. But once you get through it, it is worth it. And once you've done it once, it's not as tough the second time. So I guess. Uh, but yeah, no, man, I, I, I'm really curious to see what your take on that is whenever you get around to it. Um, Todd, uh, we were still on Todd. However, uh, anything else? Todd? No, well, not too much recently. I've been kind of going through and playing old arcade games that I vaguely remember from when I was a kid. Like, oh, yeah? It's almost like a little, you know, it's like det- being a detective. You have a few half recalled details about mm. this game had a helicopter in it this game had a giant robot at the, as the first boss and you have to go try and piece it together based on when you saw it oh so man that's game in itself it's kind of weird but i did find some interesting stuff like there's one game called um mega blast by taito it's this as a shooter it's okay and has this neat um gimmick where your ship fires in four directions with every push of the button 
and it has probably one of the more insane plot synopses of any arcade game. You know how arcade shooters are, at least. You know how they have little text when you, if you let the title screen go and something. Yeah, there is a story. You're just not yes, sure this, why. <laughs> it spews out this incredibly weirdly translated um, crawl about how w- women are being abducted by aliens so they can serve as their breeding um, partners or something. And these pilots must re- – oh, it's – I, w- I don't want to run it. You can find it. It's Mega Blast if you go hunting for old arcade games. Okay. I'll and there's check it one out. called Geki Rindan, which is a um, shooter that's it's a vertical shooter, kind of like Radiant Silver Gun, where you have travel through time. It's not nearly as good, but it's kind of interesting in the sense that I never really heard about it before now, even though it came out for the Sega Saturn, and that was, and the Saturn was kind of a huge thing for shooters. I did find the game that I was looking for that I remembered seeing like when I was 10 years old for five seconds. It's it's called Heavy Unit and it is incredibly hard, but it's also really um, surprisingly diverse for, um, you know, a side scrolling shooting game from like 1989. They throw all these weird um, things at you. There's a giant gargoyle that comes out of the ground in the first stage and, and there's and all these. Um, ruins and broken bushes. It's got a lot of strange imagery. It's like they went a little farther than the usual um, arcade shooter had to. And other stuff, like uh, there's another one called Chimera Beast that never actually came out. I think it might have been canceled just because it's like to look at it, you would say, why would anyone think this was marketable? Because you're this creature that's invading another planet and you're devouring other creatures and it all the en- enemies and your sh- and your main ship looks like this hideous pink naked mole rat with gigantic <laughs> um, shark jaws. And it, it's like this is just really not going to get anyone's attention in the arcade at all. But that's it. It's a really interesting game because your you know little creature can change form when it absorbs other creatures. And it plays like a shooter. So there aren't too many games that do that. And it even has weird endings where the best ending is if you actually get defeated – Right. Because, yeah, it, but that was interesting. Uh, that's worth um, looking out if you were into Mame and other and emulation like that. It's called Chimera Beast, and it was never actually released, so nobody saw it in the arcades when they were kids. So, huh? Anyone who tells you that they did is lying. That's cool. <laughs> so that's just <laughs> my little. Uh, I gotta see this. That, that my, sounds that sounds really weird. <laughs> my little jaunt through. Um, uh, mostly unsatisfying nostalgia because you know it's never as good as you. <laughs> I, I always like just taking like a gigantic MAME archive and just just going through it. Like oh, yeah. I don't know what this is. Let's see what that. Like that's fun. <laughs> uh, you, there's so much weird crap out there. I fell into a Philios hole recently. Oh s- yeah, the um, that's the um, Greek theme, the yeah shooter. I love that's my favorite shooter. I have I play it once every like five or six years for some reason. <laughs> I just remember oh let's play Philios. I like that game. Um, I don't know why I like that shooter the most. Like that and like Gradius are like my two favorites, Gradius 3. Um, yeah, that was a Namco thing, wasn't it, Philios? Yeah, I think so. It came out on the Genesis, and well, the arcade and the Genesis versions are, are pretty different. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that reminded me that I, I had recently played that game, which is a, is a weird shooter. <laughs> well, it's not, not too late. Maybe Project X Zone 3 can have uh, Philios in yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're going to resurrect that shit. Yeah, but uh, that's, uh, that, that's kind of it for me lately. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Dave, what, what have you been up to? Uh, I also played the shooter because I'd never heard of this thing. So I just by happenstance, I went to uh, Barcade up in Manhattan this afternoon. And they had, like, uh, in one of these 4-in-1 Neo Geo machines, this 
shooter called Prehistoric Isle. <laughs> the dinosaur like one. That, but it was L2, really I think, bad. Yeah. You no. were that it was you were a helicopter. I tried to look it up, so it seems like it might be a series. You're in a helicopter and all the dinosaurs were like claymation kind of. They were drawn <laughs> like claymation. It was and like primal the rage. Were so terrible. <laughs> like I couldn't I didn't even get halfway through the first level because the like Heli- the helicopter controls were so bad and you have to like pick up people like you're in Defender and they sort like of hang off the side of your helicopter. But uh I mean Barcade is kinda kinda cute. Like they've got all like the Simpsons arcade stuff that you like pointedly avoid. Uh-huh. Uh, talking about what you guys are to with like, let's just leave that nostalgia all nice and boxed up. <laughs> so I don't have to really remember how terrible that is. <laughs> <laughs> Because like a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I played a little of um, Shadows of Mistara. And oh. I was like, this game was great. I love those old D&D games. And I'm coming into it being like, well, these games are great. And Dragon Crown was amazing. And I found it like almost unplayable, I guess, like compared to Dragon's Crown. It's yeah, those games, uh, the, the dra- Dungeons and Dragons games, you are mashing one button until the end of that yep. game. And that's... Yep. <laughs> it and it's not and honestly like those games are gorgeous like i love looking at them i want an anime that looks like shadows over mistara uh but the game is just a quarter eating beat-em-up that's yeah, it and like they did a lot of cool stuff with shadows over mistara of like giving people kind of street fighter combinations yeah exactly and it's, just, like, it's so hard to play compared to like dragon's crown just played mm-hmm. like a three like that game is so fun and so fast and so fluid uh, that like I, I think it's just going to be impossible for me to ever go back to those. Yeah, I would really love a PC port of Dragon's Crown. That would be uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like worth keeping the PS3 around. Right. <laughs> in my, um, but as to like, uh, uh, if we're talking the past couple of months, I feel like I should like be really judicious with my choices. Final Fantasy XIV just put out a new expansion i guess i say just but it came out in like june but i've just had the time to actually play it like in the past couple weeks Mm -hmm. and it's really good um and that it's like quickly becoming my favorite mmo um and it's just like i feel kind of guilty because like a couple years back when the original game came out i like kind of poo-pooed the soundtrack a little and i think it might have the best soundtrack of like any mmo ever and it's because I think they just let the dude do whatever he wants. So all the boss fights are just crazy different. Like, there's, like, a lot of hard rock. There's, like, this kind of screaming metal stuff for when you fight Titan. Um, Shiva has, like, kind of a pop ballad. There's a fight against a giant Moogle King. And it's got this, like, weird Danny Elfman-inspired number, like, sort of Nightmare Before Christmas hmm. kind of thing where, like, all the tiny Moogles sing this song about murdering you. Weird. <laughs> but, the, but the actual gameplay is, like, super good. Like, um, I don't know, they've just got a, They're really good at parceling out these, like, cool, intricate dungeons that also play, like, crazy on fan service. Like, in the last... Uh, towards the end of the uh, base game, they were, like, throwing Einhander references out... Like, you were basically fighting mobs no from Einhander. And then in this most recent patch, like, they put out the bomb bomb from uh, Final Fantasy IV as, like, the last boss of some random dungeon. And I like to go into these things blind. That's, like, kind of my favorite thing to do in video games is 
puzzle out MMO dungeons. Uh, so I'm, I'm typing to my party. I'm like, all right, she's definitely going to split into like a bunch of bombs. Then we're going to have to like kill all the bombs in the same color. And, you know, they're, they're just really good at making you do like kind of stupid, crazy things. Like they, they just know how to mix it up enough that you don't feel like you're kind of just doing the general MMO mechanics. So in the bomb mom fight, You've got to kill these bombs when she splits, but also there's these like little blue bombs that are sort of hungrily moving towards the other ones. You've got to keep bonking them back and stuff like that. You know, they'll put you in cannons or like you have to jump on some giant leviathan's back, kind of like a less mechanically intricate shadow of the Colossus and like stab it for a while before it kicks you off. Uh, but I mean, that game's super awesome and like it's a super good game for dress up which is kind of the core component of any MMO is that you can take any piece of gear and make it look like anything else. So you can run around in a suit or like a pirate hat, like I am now. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, it just kind of <laughs> heaven's word is the expansion. It just kind of keeps on giving like if, especially if you are a final fantasy fan, like, I guess this is probably how people who care about the bad Warcraft story feel when, like, some bad Warcraft character shows up in one of those games. <laughs> right. Uh, like, which I was always just like, who the fuck is that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But, like, you got a dude in this one who's wearing, like, the Dragoon armor, and you're like, oh, wait, that's, like, he's like Kane. Yeah. Like, from Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, you or, have, like, yeah, you have the visual library required to get and enjoy yeah. all the references, whereas Warcraft is just a bunch of gobbledygook to me. Well, you know, it's just totally, like, arbitrary personal preference. That's what I meant. Yeah, this like, you have that, like, you already know that language. So yeah. it's the game speaking to you already. But with someone who's really into the Warcraft lore, that game's speaking to them already, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it was just like I always felt like I was kind of tolerating Warcraft's, like, bad story and it's like painful pop culture references <laughs> just because I really wanted to get at the raid mechanics which I loved and so in this game they do the scaling a little better in my opinion like you wouldn't think there's a lot of difference between like 8 players and 10 players with regards to like raid size but as someone who's like led a lot of raids over the years like 8 players really feels like a sweet spot where you don't have Truth be told, in those 10-man raids, usually you had two people who were, like, just kind of there to fill space. Mm-hmm. So, like, they kind of <laughs> have the numbers down. And it's just, like, it's a cool game. Like, you can be a cook and just cook. And that's, like, a. it's not something you do to um, make your paladin job better. Like, you can sit there and craft, uh, like, bread or whatever. And there's, like, a little bread-baking mini-game where you have to make sure you get the high-quality bread and you get, like, techniques you can use to make better bread and then you can put that bread into a furnace that like builds a house for your your guild or whatever so it's just like it's the ultimate time sink like i i haven't kept up with wow so maybe wow's doing the same things but it's like kind of astonishing uh how much of your life you can waste on this video game and then feel really guilty about it later like i have some nights but um i also played the new tomb raider Oh really? Okay, I'm I'm excited to play that, but I gotta wait for the PC. I would say don't be that excited. Really, really? Oh, that's a letdown. I was, but I saw it good. Well, uh, so your mileage may vary. I don't like open world stuff. Um, or maybe so, sick of it. It's like kind of mid mid open world. It's like sort of your Arkham Asylum thing. Oh, okay. But there's like a lot of junk to pick up, and none of it's that exciting. And the optional tombs are still optional. And, like, I feel like there was a lot of 
there's a lot of talk about people being like, wow, they really buffed out these tunes. And a lot of cases, it feels like they just took the same intensity of puzzle and made it like five minutes longer. Because mm. so, in the original game, any of those, any given tomb, I feel like you you pulled one trick and that was it. Like I remember really specifically this one where it's windy and you have to turn this crank and then jump up onto a platform that the wind is blowing. I remember that. Yeah. And that was like the entire tomb was this like 30 second jump sequence once yeah. you figured it out. So now it's like the same, but there's two or three of those jumps you have to make. Mm-hmm. And like I wasn't completely disappointed, but it is kind of disappointing to see Tomb Raider sort of continue going full circle into like uncharted like okay, we know you're a baby, like, here's how you solve everything, and, like, don't worry about it, and just make jumps and look cool. Um, and it's just, I, I really like the original, or the remake Tomb Raider. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I thought it, I especially thought it did some really cool things with, like, animation. Like, Laura appears to be in a, in a pretty perilous situation. Like, one of my favorite things about that was she doesn't have, like, an evasive role. She kind of scrambles across the ground. And then one of the upgrades you can get for that is while you're doing that, you can hit the button again to have her, like, chuck dirt in somebody's face. So it it was cool sort of feeling like you were embodied in this character who wasn't uh, quite at the top of their game yet. And I think the game did a lot of great things with giving you tools and then treating the weapons... Like they, there. Most weapons also had like a tool component to them. Like the shotgun could blow up wooden barricades or so. So you'd be pretty excited about getting a shotgun. I feel like a lot of that kind of goes by the wayside in this game. And once you get the rope arrows, which exist in the last game, you're that's pretty much all you want for the majority of it. And like many open world games, it just kind of throws all that like junky fluff at you because open world games just assume like you want more stuff right like however good it is just here like hunt some animals get some pelts get like 20 pelts and then you'll get a bigger assault rifle ammo bag and like that'll keep you content for like an hour and a half right and then we'll just do that 10 times over and then you have a game where i'm more of the mood like especially nowadays like just give me like eight to 12 hours of your best work for <laughs> games like that. Like, I don't really need to sink my teeth into like, please go disable all the radio towers. If you want this lock pick so you can unlock things that give you like more crafting materials. Usually like there's, you need a combat knife to cut that, to cut ropes in this game. And so like four hours into the game, I'm looking at this box that's hanging from a rafter trying to shoot the rope and cut it with my climbing axe, which is pretty sharp, so you figure that'd be fine. Eventually, I give up. Come back like 10 hours later, I finally got the knife. I go and cut this box down, and it gives me one cloth. Only it doesn't give me one cloth, because you can only hold like 25 cloth, and I'm already full. (laughs) I was just like so disappointed by the the building expectations. And the plot is just a lot worse, which is, like, sort of something silly to say, given the last game's plot. But even if, like, the moment-to-moment writing in the last game wasn't on point, I felt like they did an okay thing, sort of cribbing from The Descent, which is, like, a pretty good movie for at least the first two-thirds. Um, 
And then this one, it just kind of feels like it goes back to the, it, it, like, usual, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, strict Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, here's this opposing force. Here is me, the one good person. And we really want to get at this relic that's in the middle of us. And at least the last one had, like, giant Oni samurai guys and, like, a ghost queen that was possessing your friend or trying to steal your friend's vitality or whatever. So this one just feels a little more by the numbers. Oh, okay. Huh. Well, I don't know. Like, I still played it to the end. So it can't be the worst. Like, it, I feel like I, I, I'm confident enough in myself that I stop playing video games when I don't like them. So I didn't hate it. But it just feels like every game seems like it feels obligated to be an open world game now. And that just sort of bums me out. Cause, well, that, that's a lot of people have been talking about that, where it's kind of like everything follows the UB model. Yeah. Uh, climb the tower. It reveals fourteen different mini games or side quests or collectathon things. You do those. You get to the next tower. It unlocks another fourteen things that you don't really want to do. <laughs> like that's that's it's, Assassin's Creed games are full of stuff I don't want to do. Yeah. I mean, so that it's a that's sad to know that that the new Tomb Raider is kind of doing the same thing. I mean, on the plus side, it's a Square Enix game, which means it'll eventually be seven ninety nine. Like, yeah. before, like, six months or Probably something. Or, yeah, uh, I mean, it's just sad, because, like, in the very beginning of the game, you come upon this, like, obelisk, and it's like, oh, Lara can't read this. She needs to level up her Greek translation skill. So you walk around in this little mini dungeon and, like, look at murals until her Greek skill bar fills up for one. <laughs> and then you click on it, and it's like, okay, well, here's where, like, the secret coin caches are scattered around this level. I was like, wow, thank God these, <laughs> like, ancient Byz- Byzantine monks took the time to inscribe the location of where I could find some healing herbs. Wait a second. Are you saying that you had to do a only slightly abstracted fetch quest in order to open up access to another fetch quest? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, exactly. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, think of it like how you have to climb the tower before you can. Yeah. Right. It. Except instead that I, yeah, it, For me, it all boils down to like pieces of hearts. That's like what I always come back to. Mm. Just give me a whole heart and put four (laughs) less of them in the game. Like three of those four puzzles you could probably drop or just consolidate into one big puzzle. And then like I wouldn't have to deal with this like constantly deferred gratification for something I don't even really want that much in the first place. Well, the the thing. Yeah, go ahead. I never spent any of those coins in Tomb Raider. Like I bought a (laughs) silencer for my pistol in the beginning of the game. And then never patronize that guy again. Well, the, the thing is, is that like that stuff isn't. I understand why it's in there. They want to they want to pad out what feels like the value of the game because it seems like if you're putting out a game like that where that's AAA, uh, their expectations on it are probably you know managed because it's a Tomb Raider game. I'm sure, but uh, th- it seems like this video game needs to be presented as the only thing you're going to do for a month. Yeah. Like, I'm cool with it being the only thing I'm going to do for a night or a week or three days or something like that. Like, that's fine. And the, the problem is that all that stuff you're talking about, is it feels like busy work after a very short period of time. You're like, why am I doing this? Like, to what end am I collecting all these things? You collect them all and you get a trophy and 45 bullets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that's like, I don't want to harsh on it too much because, like, the reality is that for some people... Like, some people are like, I'm going to play this one video game a year. Oh, sure, yeah. And I'm not knocking any of that might be because of money and it might be because of time. And there are just, like, 
there are there are pressures on people that make it so like and just when you really enjoy a game I've been guilty of that. Like, I've gotten all the spells in Dark Souls. Like, I didn't need to do that. Oh, yeah, that sure. If you're oh. super into it, yeah, for, for sure. 100%. But um, it's just never something that's hooked me. And, like, mm. sort of, like, bad upgrade trees, like the Arkham Asylum upgrade tree, where it's, like, you get the thing where you can string guys upside down from the gargoyles, and you're like, why do any of these powers even exist? Like, aside from that one. Well, and... You spend the rest of the game upgrading your health. It, and, and after a while, like, part of the thing is, and, and I, I'm not attempting to dump all over this, Eddie, either. I'm excited about the new Tomb Raider. I will still play it. I just, it's just an interesting subject to me, is that what it feels like after a while is that you are not really picking between three or four different games. You're picking which flavor of the same game do you want. Do you want Indi- pseudo-Indiana Jones open world thing, or do you want... Uh, you know, Victorian England open world thing? Do you want a Metal Gear Solid open world thing? Like, which one of these do you want? Obviously, I don't know that those games are comparable to Metal Gear, but uh, that's a lot of games now. What you're talking about is a lot of video games right now. And do you want them with zombies? That's another question. Yeah. Because you can always get that variation. Uh, so, when Laura learns Greek in this game, does that uh, help anything, or is it more, is it just something that she does to solve the puzzle. There's not like it is, a, yeah, it is literally there's not like an extra ending where she it's a professorship or something. Because <laughs> no. like she also has to do like Russian and Mongolian, and yeah, oh, like gosh, she's a, well, she's a polyglot. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's not just about short shorts and tube tops. She can go teach English, and you know, which like now. in the last game, she finally reached within herself. And gained the ability to fire two pistols. <laughs> that was like the climactic moment of that game. And then she just doesn't do it in this game. <laughs> so it's like a huge bummer. Just like total Metroid. Just Metroid me. Except now she has like two climbing axes. That's like her uh, mid-series upgrade or something. I did play that Tomb of Osiris thing. It was free on PlayStation Plus. That Tomb Raider, that isometric Tomb Raider game. That was kind yeah. of fun. It was, I mean, I, fun. I, I like the first one well enough. Yeah. And that's like, at least there are some sort of like vestigial puzzle elements. A little bit. Yeah, it's lame like Diablo those. stuff, but yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I also have it because it was free on PS Plus and I sort of like nudge my wife every once in a while. I'm like, you want to give that a go? But she's so opposed to like twin six shooters. Oh, yeah. see, yeah, I, I honestly, that game had a lot of really fun set pieces. Like I, I did enjoy my time with that, like quite a bit, I guess maybe I was just in the mood for it at the time. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I really want to get through it at some point because I like those isometric, um, physics based puzzles, but like, it's just not, it's so not a priority, especially because you haven't spent real money on it. So it's like, I'll just get to that whenever I don't need to justify my investment. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, so that's Tomb Raider. Uh, anything else? Uh, I'll give you one more short thing. Like during, um, we just did like our 24-hour charity stream and like right. around midnight or one, uh, we played this game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. <laughs> um, and I think it might be one of the best games I've ever played. Like, so I'm super into anything that like makes you write things down or take notes or has like a physical component. And, like, I think this is meant to be a VR game, but you can play it just on your TV. So one player is actually playing the game, and they're looking at a, a bomb that is comprised of, like, random 
modules that require different interactions to disarm. And the other player who is not looking at the screen has the bomb manual and is effectively like role playing um, Chloe from Law or 24 while yeah, okay. the player playing as Jack Bauer or like Pookie from New Jack City or, you know, whatever you want to do. But it is like, especially if you have like I've, I've played with the bomb manual because I'm like sort of I'm pretty good at those sort of logistics puzzles and stuff like that. So I have never looked at the video game. And the human interaction of, like, trying to work with, with my, my wife and then our friend Ian, who we, we've done this charity stream for a few years, of being like, all right, uh, our, there's wires. Like, and I have to be like, how many wires? And they'll say, like, uh, there's white, black, black, yellow. And I'm like, wait, so yellow's the last one. And then they're, yeah, and I'm, like, flipping through the manual and being like, okay, cut the yellow wire. And that module's disarming. You have to move on to like a bunch of those things in like a three to five minute window. And it gets really complicated. Like they start putting in things like the bomb will give you a keyword like, yeah. And then you have to go into the manual, find, yeah, be like, oh, okay, that means you push the middle right button. And then that'll like flip a panel over. And they'll have to read you another word, but all the words are really close together. Like there's uh-uh and uh-huh. So it's this game that's just like made to trip you up unless you are like perfectly synchronized with each other. Wow. And it, it gets to the point where you are – there's this like Morse code module. And we were basically having to train each other on how to convey Morse code to the other person because there's no sound. It's just a flashing light. So you're sitting there like, all right, so there's dot and dash, but then there's like effectively null dot and null dash to signify the space between letters versus words. So they're just like giving me a slew of like dot, dash, dot, 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 dash. And I'm writing it down on a napkin as (laughs) I go, like just trying to figure out there's only like 12 words. So you're just looking for two or three letters in sequence, but you know that you only get three strikes. So if you decode the wrong thing, like you're you're just under this sort of criminal time pressure that you kind of have to go with your gut sometimes. So I just sort of go like, ah, respond on 3.6 megahertz and they put the button and it like clicks and then they're they're calling out like 14 seconds, 14 seconds. And I have to like flip to another page to figure out what you do when you press the button. Uh, it's just sort of like a really amazing party game and i'm kind of surprised that something like this took so long to come out because so, it's uh, go this ahead is multi, this is multiplayer only um you can't really yeah play. effectively it, it's really you need at least two people okay otherwise but, it would turn into lifeline on the playstation team. yeah which we also played during the charity stream <laughs> um yeah it's yeah it's just like a really neat idea for something and, I, and I'm really entranced by these asymmetrical co-op games like this there's sort of a, a spy game coming out where one person plays the spy and one person plays the operator I really like stuff like that where you're you have to trade limited information back and forth and like I know like payday does a little bit of that with like one person can man the security cameras and things like that so I just I love these sort of things and the game's so simple that you don't need to be like a third person shooter player to get that sort of the asymmetrical co-op enjoyment from it. You just have to be able to read a book or like click on a couple buttons 
or like play Simon Says, which is one of the things. But it's like a weird Simon Says where like red, blue, blue actually means yellow, green, green. But the guy with the manual has to tell you that. So I mean, it's it's like not an expensive game. And it, I was completely enthralled by it. And like I said, we were playing this at like 1 a.m. We had like seven hours left in the stream. And I was like, guys, let's just play this for the rest of the night. Because that was actually really fun. Can you get seven hours out of it? <laughs> I, well, I don't know. But we we disarmed a lot of bombs. And it felt like there was still more to go. Like, And I'm sure there's some sort of random mode. But it, w- it would totally be something that I would kind of trot out to show off to people. Um, especially right. people who like weren't too into video games. Like, I feel like... It might not have kind of the easy longevity that something like Fibbage could have, but like you could totally break this out of the party and people would go crazy over it for yeah. like half an hour, an hour. Yeah, I, I that that that's what I was just thinking. Is this sounds perfect for uh, the centerpiece game of like a party? Yeah, you know where you're specific like the, it's loosely organized into, but we are going to do this one thing at this time. Everybody, you know, this is cool. Check it out. That kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, just to describe it, like, I'm really into things that can uh, sort of affect the mood of, like, sort of a well-worn genre or movie or something without making it a cutscene. So, like, sitting here, you actually feel like you are a bomb tech in, like, a movie, and the the dynamite is ticking down. And, like, I just don't get that feeling from a lot of games. Like, I don't feel like I'm the war leader in Dragon Age Inquisition. Like, I feel like I'm clicking on things every six hours to get 50 <laughs> gold. So, I, I like to give props to, to those sort of things when they do actually come up, when I do feel like I'm doing something more than kind of um, busy work until the game ends. Right, yeah. Okay, cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. That sounds really good. <laughs> that sounds, uh, sounds awesome. Um, all right. So, uh, I guess I guess I'll be the guy that brings up Fallout, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I figured, I mean, I haven't played it, but I, I, I was anticipating that. I mean, okay, Fallout is not grabbing me. Um, I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of a crisis over it, actually, because I was really looking forward to it. I thought I was super in the mood for a Bethesda game. I thought after, you know, years of not, I haven't played Skyrim since God knows when. Uh, that was the last one, right? So... Uh, before that, I guess it was New Vegas and Fallout 3, both of which I dumped hundreds of hours into, like like I think most people, you know, those those were very popular. And I, I loved both Fallout 3 and New Vegas, uh, you know, varying degrees, you know, the, the same quibbles everyone has with those games. Uh, Fallout 4, um, I'm a little surprised at how little it has grabbed me. And I don't know if that's just because it turns out I'm not in the mood for a Bethesda thing right now, which is totally fine. You know, I'll go back to it, you know, a little later on. Uh, Or if uh, maybe I'm just not that into that kind of super loose, chaotic open world thing anymore. And I want a more directed experience a la uh, specifically a la The Witcher 3 or a la even like Metal Gear uh, is just more directed. Because Fallout at this point kind of feels like those crazy open world games that clog up Steam and sell like hundreds of millions of copies because YouTubers play them because crazy shit happens in them. Mm. Fallout kind of feels like that with a story bolted onto the side at this point. (laughs) 
I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I totally get it. Again, hundreds and hundreds of hours into the previous Bethesda games, but uh, Fallout 4, at least. Um, well, first of all, I should mention, it looks way better than I thought it would. Because those early promotional videos, I thought the game looked like junk. Like, when they showed it at E3, I was kind of like, this looks like a PS3 game. What is going on? And I understood the engine is old, right? But I thought maybe it would look better than that. Turns out, on PC, the game looks great. It looks really good, especially because they're using that old engine. Uh, It looks way better than I thought it would. Um, The game itself, though... I mean, so, you know, and I I hate to to make this kind of comparison because I know it's not fair... But after playing The Witcher 3, which became quickly one of my all-time favorite games, best game of this year for me by, like, a 200 miles or something, like, loved it. Loved that game, especially after finishing it. Thought it was a masterpiece. That's an open-world game, and the writing is spectacular. And for Fallout 4, you unfreeze out of a vault after someone kills your wife and steals your baby, and everyone in the world immediately treats you like you're the chosen one, and you're there to save everything, even though you have not introduced yourself. They have no idea who you are or why you're there, but they're just telling you, oh, you must be here to solve my problem. Like, and I'm like, Bethesda, come on, man. (laughs) Give me something, something, like, you know, like... Oh, I was told someone was going to show up or they say people from the vault have special powers or fucking something other than, well, hello there. Uh, I will give you uh, access to my land if you go kill these 10 super mutants that are over in this gas station. (laughs) And you just feel, okay, you know, like the first thing I did, you know, after the little like intro part, you wander over to another settlement because this game has settlements. I'm sure you've seen you build stuff if you want to. As a crafting component, because every game has to have crafting now. Um, you walk over to a new settlement. You walk up to them, and they're like, oh, we'll join your settlement. Um, but first, I need you to go over to a factory, an abandoned factory, and clear all the raiders out of there. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So I go over there and do that. And that experience is frustrating and awful, because do you remember, um, you guys both, I, maybe, I, I know Dave did, but Todd, did you ever play any of the, the first-person fallouts? Oh, you mean like uh, New Vegas? Yeah. Like New Vegas 3. Okay, do you remember how crappy the interior maps are? Like mm. when you're inside a building and you bring oh. up that useless, like, topographical map? Like, I have yeah. no idea what it is. Yeah. This still has that. So I wandered into this factory and I got lost for like an hour because it was telling me well, the objective's over here, but it's through like three different walls or something. And I wandered and wandered and could not find the the the, the right place to go. After a while, I eventually figured it out. But it reminded me of all these things that I kind of didn't like about, you know, Fallout 3 or New Vegas. And games have kind of come a long way since then because it has been a long time. So I think maybe there are just things about this game that I just don't necessarily find enjoyable anymore. Especially the early the early progression thing where you are just scraping at the beginning of a Fallout game. For the first, like, 15 levels, you are just underpowered. You have nothing. You can do nothing. Like, you're just dying all the time. And that that was fun, and it was cool in 3 in New Vegas. Totally cool, because it felt like, oh, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm really feeling the survival, you know, experience. But maybe now it's kind of old. Maybe I'm not, like, super into that, and it just didn't grab me. The, the, the dog is cute, and he, he's, he's no D-dog, but he's a cool dog. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to... Um, putting more time to it. I'm only about nine hours into it. 
uh, some people have already put like 50 hours, 60 hours, finished it, you know, and then also done a lot of side stuff already. Um, I'm only like nine hours in. I just made it to the big central showpiece like settlement. And literally, like, you walk up to the gate, and there's, like, a plucky ace reporter there who is like, oh, hello, you must know what this place is, and you can help me get in here. And then you get in there, and the mayor is waiting for you. Ah, yes, you look like person who really belongs. And you're like, I, I'm a dude wearing a jumpsuit and, like, a stupid helmet. And, like, I look like I, I put this outfit together in a, from a dumpster and, you, and a total stranger, and you're just assuming. <laughs> like, well, so does everybody else, though, right? Yes. I mean, it's the future. Every, no, everybody else is wearing, like, this. for whatever reason, this game, uh, there's raider wear, and then there's, like, settler wear, and the settlers are wearing relatively normal clothes. You look like you just murdered 30 raiders and, to, and are wearing all of their clothes at once. Well, <laughs> sorry, part of that, right, is that they've got, like, the piecemeal armor so it's kind of like the mmo clown costume yeah right yeah which is what i've got on right now (laughs) my guy looks like one of the cops from fahrenheit 451 (laughs) murdered someone from mad max and then put his like pants on that that's what he looks like but that that thing that like that bugs me and especially after the witcher which i mean just blew me away at the end um, after writing like that in a story, like it's possible to have an open world game where you care a lot about the characters and the setting and you want to see where the story's going and everything you do feels organic and important. And like, you had a reason for being there. You were not the most important person in the scenario you are, but it's vital that you're there. And like that stuff, it, it's all, I don't know, man. I think that game was straight up a masterpiece and now playing open world stuff after it. I don't know. I hope I'm not ruined because there's a lot of open world games and I, I love them. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've actually, I've played more open world games than I would expect this year between the Witcher and metal gear. I'm kind of, I'm not exactly passing on fallout, but I'm going to see how long I can last until like more patches and DLC comes out. Cause even like new Vegas is one of my favorite games ever and yeah. i've n- never played ha- not even half of the dlc just because like i burned myself out on that game so much really just putting like 100 or 120 hours in it over like the three or four months after it came out so like i just never went back to it like i always try and i'll get like through one dlc pack and i just like i can't like uh my wife was away for like three weeks and i was like now it's finally time to play new vegas I sat there through like the hour and a half of downloading this eight or nine gig game and I turn it on and I look at my pit boy and I look out into like the vast expanse of desert in front of me and I just turned it off. And yeah. I just like could not get into the mindset. So I want to give myself sort of the the um, it, the shot at it. Yeah, it's it's a I definitely think and that's why I'm kind of trying to couch all of this as just my personal reaction to it. Because I totally thought I was 100% in the mood for this. And then I turn it on, and I turn on VATS, and I shoot a guy, and it takes two bullets to the head, and it doesn't kill him. I still need to put, like, another six bullets in him. And uh, then I get stuck in the geometry and have to reset, or it crashes. So then I reload it, and then I'm in a dungeon where I can't see where I'm going because the map is awful. And then the physics break again. (laughs) God, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that map. Like, it, it's criminal that they yeah. haven't fixed that. Yeah. But, 
Uh, but like I said, it looks great, and the exploring stuff is still fun. And, I, and like I said, I'm going to play more and see if it if it pulls me in because those games really are kind of like an addiction. Like either yeah. they hook you or they don't. And this one just hasn't hooked me, and normally it has by now. So I'm just kind of like, all right. Um, the other thing I played, which I know Dave you played, and Todd, I don't know if you play these games or not. Uh, I, I have played a lot of Bloodborne, Bloodborne, oh, sure. Bloodborne. Oh, no, not yet. Uh, and I loved it. Like, really loved it. That's the one of those for me. Because mm-hmm. the, the, Dark Souls I'm bad at. Bloodborne, I can actually kind of get through it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, if you tried uh, Dark Souls now, you would be a lot better at the it. The thing right? is, I am playing Dark Souls right now. Like, not right in this moment. <laughs> but I am playing Dark Souls. I am cheating through Dark Souls. Bloodborne is the one I'm being honest on. Hmm. Um, and I'm basically taking a little tour through Dark Souls right now, which sure. is way more fun than I thought it would be. Just taking like a little tour through that game and seeing all the stuff and all the bosses. Because I didn't spoil myself on the art design for any of these things. So I'm seeing all the art design and all the bosses and everything for the first time. It's super cool. Because uh, the art design in those games is fantastic, especially in Bloodborne. I love it. Uh, and so it's exciting for me just to see what the new enemies are and the new bosses and stuff like that. Uh, and so the tour through Dark Souls, I know it's lame, but I was just so bad no. at it. And all I wanted to do was see the stuff. I just wanted to see the game, you know? Yeah, I really like it. It's one of those things where I, I love I love Dark Souls for being like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, there are, there are much harder games. But Dark Souls is pretty uncompromising in very specific ways. So like... It, it, it does kind of suck that that kind of ends up forcing people to miss out on, like, it's, people kind of write it off as, like, this gunky, gritty, gross, like, grimy game, but just standard, shitty, dark fantasy kind of stuff. And, like, a lot of it is. Like, a lot of those areas look like that. But you are really missing out on just, like, how uh, beautiful... <laughs> And, like, studying that architecture can be... Well, even just... It's doing dark fantasy in a way I've never seen done before. Not at that kind of saturation, not with that kind of ambition, and definitely not with that kind of incredibly competent execution. Like, it is the best dark fantasy stuff I think I've ever seen, like, in motion. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks really good. Bloodborne especially, and especially with the Lovecraft stuff... I have never seen anyone do it that way, and it instantly made it, like, really compelling and cool and scary and gross to me. Like, the way the celestial beings and stuff in Bloodborne look, amazing. Yeah. That is inspired design. And I'm just, I, Bloodborne is just uh, so cool. Um, but Dark Souls is, is a lot the same, and I see sort of the early makings of it. I'm looking forward to touring Dark Souls 2 and 3. <laughs> uh, I mean... I'll probably I like Dark Souls two a lot, but like it doesn't have the cohesion of like Dark Souls one is is one of those sort of miracle games you don't get that often. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it's super fun though. I, like I said, I know it's 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 super cheesy to to cheat through it, but uh, yeah. I feel like that that's kind of where these these have compartmentalized in my head. It's like I'm going to tour Dark Souls, but I'm going to work Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's also just one of those things. Like I totally get like the kind of point of pride of just being like. Well, I'm going to prove that I can do it. But once you do once, like, eh, what's the difference? We're grown-ups. Like, 
there's only so much time in the day yeah well yeah and to be honest like the reason that bloodborne is so much more akin like so much more uh in sync with my play style is that dark dark souls requires a lot of patience bloodborne you just go wail on dudes and bloodborne is much more like character action yeah and i'm better at that uh on dark souls i'm dying all the time because i'm not and let me tell you like with cheating i'm still constantly dying constantly (laughs) like you know that part in um that big that big like marble city Mm-hmm. You know, the big kind of clean open air yeah, place where, yeah, where you run up those fucking ramps and those guys with the spears are chucking them at you. Oh, well, yeah, that, I mean, that part is infamous. Like nobody gets by that. On well, that thing and the stupid curse frogs, uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. worst. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, the first time I played that game, like I was actually terrified of the sewers because those things like are so uncanny. Yeah, they're big like bobbly eyes, and they just blow you up, and then you just like not only do you die and lose your souls, but you come back with half your health, and you're like, okay, I guess I'm cursed now. Yeah, whatever that means. And like so, every t- corner I turn in that sewer where you like fall down a hole, and suddenly you're four levels down, like in sub basement B thirteen. Yeah. yeah, and you have no idea how to get out, and you're surrounded by these frogs. Like, I mean, that's what Dark Souls is good at is just like, you know, kicking you while you're down. Kind of. Yeah. And and those frogs, like the what you're talking about, like the way that they're terrifying, because that game is operating with an art design where it manages to make sort of like wet, bubbly, bulbous kind of diseased like uh, cysts like that specific disgusting kind of imagery. It mm-hmm. wallows in that stuff and it does it really well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it's super gross, but it's so effective. Like it's just yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like a a really really cool heavy metal album cover that you're just wandering mm-hmm. through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can tell that dude is super into like early Slayer. Yeah, big time, big time. Um uh, anyway, uh, moving on real quick. Uh, I did finish Life is Strange, which I recommend the first 4 episodes. Unfortunately, the ending kind of sucks. Like the worst moral, the worst, like, badly written moral dilemma thing you could possibly expect. Like, it was the worst mo- single moral choice I'd ever been handed, and I've played the Mass Effect games multiple times. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, I loved the first four chapters, and any game where you can push a button to contemplate your situation and enjoy the scenery from thematic and, cinemat- and cinematic angles is cool. And I appreciated what that game was trying to do. It was trying for something really unique, and I think it accomplished it. It's unfortunate about the ending because it's bad, <laughs> real bad. And this is a game where, like, you know, six months ago, I was like, I can't. This game effectively made me care very deeply about a character that you have to talk down from committing suicide, and like successfully talking her down is not very simple. And I didn't like look at a walkthrough or anything, but I managed to do it. And that felt like a real accomplishment. And I felt like I, in order to do that, you had to be paying attention to what that character was saying. And you had to give a shit about her circumstances in order to know the right things to say. And it wasn't gamified or anything. Like, it didn't hint at you that you needed to know this stuff. You needed to just be paying attention to her and her problems in order to talk her down. That was incredible. Like, that was oh, yeah, an, I mean, that sounds great. I mean, that sounds like exactly what stuff like The Walking Dead does not do. Yeah. Ever. It just sort of promises it will, and then it's like, no, just choose whatever. We'll make sure you get yeah. basically what you want out of it. 
Same with Mass Effect, really. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I, I Bioware games. Yeah, and I and I love love Mass Effect, uh, but uh, the, the, you know, stuff like that is what I think adventure games can do that those are the kind of experiences that they can give us that maybe you're not going to get in like a game that also has action yeah. or also has exploring or anything like that. So it does a lot of that stuff brilliantly. It's just, it's a shame about that ending. Um, <laughs> the other game I wanted to mention very quickly was a, a little game called laser life. That's out on steam. Um, real under the radar kind of a thing. You are playing as an alien intelligence that has wandered across the skeleton of an astronaut and you are reassembling his memories uh, from the cosmos. Mm. And uh, it's, a, it's kind of a trippy, kind of a zone-out game. If you really like electronic music and abstract uh, art, it's, uh, it's a cool thing. It's short. Mm. It's not difficult. Um, and the ending is kind of whatever. But uh, as an experience, like if you're just interested in like an art thing... I recommend it. Uh, if you can get it for like five bucks or less, I would say check it out and play it on like a Sunday when you want to relax. Uh, it's cool. It's a cool game. Okay, we got a lot of Twitter questions, but before we get to those, here's a word from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. You know it's that time of year. The holidays are coming, and uh, I'm here with a cautionary tale. Do not do what I did. Don't keep putting off your Christmas shopping until the last second where you've got to place one huge order for everything all at once. This is rolling the dice because if you don't get that package, Christmas is ruined. I did this like 10 years ago. I, I waited until the last possible second. I placed one huge order for everything for my family and I missed the UPS guy on Christmas Eve. Christmas destroyed. I showed up empty-handed that was 10 years ago. Like I said, they're still not speaking to me. You've ruined Christmas, Zach. That's what they said. Christmas ruiner you. Branded for life. Don't let this happen to you. Don't ruin Christmas. Break up that giant holiday order. Place them in chunks. You know, get a couple of packages coming in at a time. You can do that at rightstuffanime.com, where, incidentally, the big holiday sale is back. So not only are you saving up to 95% on anime, manga, and merchandise, with new items being added to the sale all the way until the day after Christmas. So this is a store that loves you so much, they'll let you continue doing your holiday shopping after the holidays are over. Can you believe it? Anyway, with every single order you place, and this goes back to that whole breaking up the order thing, you are entered into a contest to win $250 of store credit at rightstuffanime.com. Now that's amazing. The more orders you place, the more chances you have to win. Incredible, right? And you're being a more efficient shopper. So this is all really working out for you. Anyway, don't forget, Mobile Suit Gundam Collection 2 and the Turn A Gundam Movie Collection are both out December 1st. So just in case you were really in the mood to potentially confuse or... Maybe enrage your grandfather by giving him the second half of an anime from 1979. Now's your chance. So remember, break up the giant Christmas order. Split it up. Five or six packages. You know, get a, get a couple coming in. You're guaranteeing yourself a pretty good Christmas. And with each of those orders, you get, you get entered into that $250 sweepstakes, guys. This is not screwing around. Anyway... Spare yourself a lifetime of existential despair rooted in familial rejection and save Christmas 
during the annual holiday sale at rightstuffanime.com. Okay, we have a lot of Twitter questions, so we better get to them. All right. Fire away. Weepy Sweet Monty asks, favorite 3D Zelda game? Well, Ocarina of Time for me. I know it's a bold choice. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Majora's Mask on that. I figured, yeah. I really like that apocalyptic tone. I think that was the last time that you got, um, um, I think his name's Kazumi. Kazumi, he, he's the one who directed um, Link's Awakening. Okay. And what, no, he, he did the story for it or something. But anyway, that's where he really saw his influence on that. He made Zelda really depressing with, with Link's Awakening, especially at the end. He kind of did the same thing all throughout Majora's Mask. So, yeah, that's my answer. I really didn't get into Ocarina of Time that much. But and, but and it's kind of strange because Majora's Mask, I think, reuses a lot of the, you know, the engine and things like that. But, yeah, so that's my answer. Dave? I think I would say Majora's Mask if I had played more than, like, four or five hours of it. Um, so I guess I have to default back to Ocarina of Time because uh, I don't I don't really like 3D Zelda games or, like, most 3D. I don't like the 3D era of Nintendo very much. <laughs> All right. Like I don't then. like any of those Mario games. Really? So. Oh, they're so oh, good. Though. No, not even. Um, wait, the Wii. U I like ones? Super Mario 3D World. I, okay. When things are are somewhat 3D, I'm down. But like the full 3D, like triple jumps and all that crap, and get all the stars. Like I don't. Want, I, I just don't enjoy that. Yeah. Well, I I like that stuff. I I'm going to play Majora's Mask. I've never played it. The the 3ds one. I'll I'll, I'll play that. Uh, yeah, I gave is, it a go on 3ds and I just sort of fell off. Like I'm really interested. In it. it seems great. Yeah, Hope Hope absolutely loves it. So I'm I'm kind of obligated to to play through it just so we can talk about it at, at the very least. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, ben the Bear says, What is scarier in Bloodborne? The Lovecraftian tentacle head monsters are having 50,000 blood echoes when you're far away from a lamp. <laughs> I mean, both of those situations, I'm going to die and probably lose all of that stuff. So, whatever. <laughs> and, by, and by Lovecraftian, he means, you know, hideous elder god things, not, you know, incredibly racist. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Just make well, sure. God, when the when the game first came out, there was this bug where if you left a blood stain on the ground and then quit, it would get teleported to this specific area called the lecture hall. And like, I don't know how people figured it out, but I was getting mad because <laughs> like, because like you know, when you die in, in a game like that, that's the perfect time to just set down the controller really gently, don't throw it, like take a deep breath and turn off the game and go to bed. But like I, I was, I was like, are are they doing this on purpose? Like, is this the directorial choice that like you either get that blood stain or you quit and it's just gone? Because like you don't get to the lecture hall for like thirty something hours into that game. So I kind of just figured like the game was deleting your blood stain if you turned it off. And I was like, this is some BS. Um, also, like I think the art design in that game is awesome, but the only thing that kind of disappoints me is like how generally killable those elder gods are. But, you know, that's sort of a general video game problem. Oh, yeah. Well, the the thing for me, the thing that I, uh, it always makes me a little sad whenever this, like, absolute just masterpiece of art design for a boss just comes trundling out of something and they put all this work into his reveal and it comes stomping out and you're like, holy shit, they put a lot of work into that and it goes down in like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, especially in 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 games like those series, the ones where you kill kill something on the first try, you're just like, huh, well. That's probably not how it was meant to go. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? Where you get yeah. the giant intro and then he's dead in a couple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Castlevania Symphony of the Night is like yeah. such an easy game. Yeah, barely. Like, he, even five hours into it. He, he doesn't even have time to quote the Bible before you. <laughs> yeah, like the Pentagram versus Dracula is like yeah. a classic example. Um, all right. Mitch, four, Mitch 543 asks, have you played the Witcher DLC yet? I'm about halfway through. Uh, is it good? Because yeah. I know they brought back Shawnee, who was my love interest in, in the first one. Oh, yeah, she's cool. Um, yeah, it's really good, actually. I, I'm only about halfway through it, but it's uh, they, they, once again, came up with a really, really interesting story. And uh, they actually give you some really difficult choices to make in there. And, again, it's a very nuanced story with, with yeah, some interesting new characters. And it's great. It's like six hours. Uh, and I think it's on sale all the time now at good old games. Or at least, like, right now, because it's christmas time uh or at least christmas sale time you should be able to get it for like six bucks or something like that um but that's you know it's it's six or seven hours so it's worth it i think uh let's see sasquatchulus asks do you have any hope for the new valkyria chronicles being good hmm well it's made by a lot of the people who well at least the director is the same i think who made the original and it, it does sound like Kind of the same thing, which in this case almost means like it's recycling the uh, character archetypes of the original game. So I'm not – I don't know. It could, could be either way. I mean when you look at the battle screens, it looks like they're doing the same thing that a lot of RPGs today are doing where you have all your characters on the side and they attack in turns or something. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah, it's, it's not the same battle system. I know that much. I mean so here, I think a lot of what ruined Valkyria Chronicles was going to portable. Mm-hmm. That this game is coming out on PS4. Like I was bracing for a mobile announcement. Like <laughs> I just assumed that I was like, this is going to be some Puzzle and Dragons ripoff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like a dude like or, you uh, know, tweeted at me super hyped and was like, how excited are you? And I was like, this is going to be some sort of bullshit Gatapon game. <laughs> so and I'm did happy you play the browser game? Wrong. I'm sorry, what was that? Did you play the browser game, the version of Valkyrie? No, Pons? I couldn't bring myself to. And yeah. like. I just like Valkyria Chronicles Two like does not hold up well in retrospect because like just booting it on portable like ruined the the like astonishing graphics of that game and just like the scope of it by like mm-hmm. splitting them up into these maps that like it repeated like tens or like dozens of times over the course of the game you go back to the same bad maps uh, and all the characters were like these super bad anime archetypes oh, and it's too bad because like. They, they sort of they fixed that for Valkyria Chronicles 3, and I just like kind of couldn't bring myself to play mm-hmm. it. And so with this announcement, I went back and putzed around a little more in Valkyria Chronicles 3. And like within the first few missions, they're repeating maps from Valkyria Chronicles 2. Oh it's just God. like driving me crazy. <laughs> so I, I really hope that they have sort of like the budget uh, and technical capabilities to actually make what feels more like a real game and not this kind of like Monster Hunter, like would be Monster Hunter, like co-op bolted on thing that like never tends to work out. I only played a little bit of the first one when they put the PC version out and uh, it was fun, but I don't think I'll dump a bunch of time into it. I, I'm just, I'm not very good at those kind of games and I, I wind up struggling a lot with uh, how long the the, the 
campaigns take and everything. It's it's a little much. Yeah. Fun to watch. I don't know about for me all that fun to play. Um all right, Wheels nineteen ninety three asks Is getting a platinum trophy an actual achievement or a giant time sink? Sort of both, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm really like weak against uh achievements, which I hate. Like I've got some sort of collector's bug in my brain, which is why I have to really force myself to be like vigilant about that and like collect a thons and open world games. Like I just have to be like, no. If you do this, you're going to feel worse about it when you turn the PlayStation off. Because, <laughs> like, I have to tamp it down before I go picking up all, like, the rabbit skins in Tomb Raider or whatever. Yeah, I uh, I do not care about trophies uh, at all. Um, but, you know, it, when someone has, like, a platinum on something like Bloodborne, I'm like, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you put a, you put, a lot of, put a lot of effort into that, man. That must have been tough. Um yeah, I, I mean, some people live and die for that stuff. It seems like the fervor over achievements and trophies and stuff has died down since the previous generation of consoles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Also, Steam trivializes them so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that they're it's not. Just like, I just hate those pop-ups, too. Like, right, I turn oh, yeah. them off whenever I can. I hate it when there's, like, a really emotional moment in a game. And yeah. that fucking thing, boop, and it's like a snarky, like, joke name for an achievement. And you're like, you guys just stepped on your own artistic ambitions with this. Well, the thing that's hilarious is, like, the PS4, it takes a screenshot when you get a trophy. And, like, half the time I'm going through my screenshots and I see the trophy ones. And it's either, like, a black screen, because <laughs> the screenshot's always, like, slightly dis- delayed. So it's like a black screen or it's like a picture of the start menu because I've like just paused the game to get a drink. <laughs> so it's like, oh, remember that time that I opened my inventory and left it on for four hours before I came back to the game? <laughs> yeah. Memories. Yeah. The, the, the t- total time played on a lot of my stuff is no nowhere near <laughs> the actual amount. Yeah. Well, uh, that's why I, when I picked up Valkyra Chronicles 3, I was like. 15 hours. No way. So, and I remember that I left it turned on, plugged in for an entire night. And something must have happened to me because Steam reports that I have played Castlevania Lords of Shadow 2 for 200 plus hours. Now, I hated that game so much that I didn't play past the first level. So I don't know where that number came from. Oh but I know I cannot get rid of it. <laughs> so basically your character was, what, hanging from that giant um, mechanical knight thing in the first stage for 200 hours. Yeah, I guess so. God, uh, that game pissed guy. me off. Man, that first stage was cool. And then you're in a dystopian warehouse district. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Not what I want from a Castlevania game. All right, Last Zim on Earth asks maybe the most important question. What are our opinions on Linkle? <laughs> I don't really see it as too much of a, you know, an issue here, but it's just a nice extra that they put in. It's not really how I would have envisioned a girl Link. But, you know, Hyrule Warriors is already kind of going nuts with doing stuff like that. So, you know, let them have fun. Dave, how do you feel about Linkle? <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't exactly feel like a watershed moment, right? I mean, maybe it does for some people. I don't want to take it away from them. It does kind of feel, to me, like Nintendo's like, here, have a fucking cracker. 
fans were put it in this Hyrule Warriors game that like not that many people care about anyway. Mm-hmm. When like people were and still kind of are like hanging a lot of their hopes on like the slightly more feminine link mm-hmm. in the new one, which I feel like has been said that they're like, no, nah, it, it's it's Link and he is a man. Um but like they were you know, Nintendo I remember at the time was being really coy, like Oh, you might think that Link is a woman, do you? <laughs> and so, like, to have him, like, like when I don't watch these streams or anything, so when I saw people tweeting about Linkle, I was like, oh, so they made the one in the new Legend of Zelda a girl, huh? That's cool. And then there were all these, like, follow-up tweets where I was like, in Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, and you're like, that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I guess. <laughs> like, look, I don't want, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade with this stuff and sometimes it does kind of feel like you have to take what you can get but like it's not nothing but i don't think it's what people wanted either i'm i'm a little surprised i I don't know why i'm surprised by this maybe i'm not but the internet just exploded (laughs) over linkle and it was like (laughs) <laughs> they put a cute girl link in Hyrule Warriors, not not Hyrule Warriors, Hyrule Warriors for the 3DS. Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, I haven't played it, but I assume there's like a decent amount of women in that game already. Uh, yeah, but I think every female character in the Zelda universe is in it. Uh, like, can you play Minda, everybody's favorite? Yeah, character? you can play as Minda, I yeah, think. So yeah, so like... <laughs> They just wanted Girl Link, which is totally fine. Uh, it's just, I, I guess, it, the the excitement uh, I find yeah. to be a little baffling. But, hey, whatever. You know, if they're happy with it. The thing is, is that Linkle became an immediate fan favorite. And so now we get however many years of people demanding a Linkle game. Sure. Like a regular Zelda game that stars Linkle instead. Well, if Tingle can get his game, you know, Linkle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The thing, Which like, is fine. Is it Tingle? Is that why that this character is called Linkle? <laughs> I don't know. It what? made me think of Linkle Liver Story on the Saturn for some reason. But <laughs> well, the the name Link, except it's a girl, doesn't really roll off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Linka, I don't know. Linkette. I'm of the, the opinion you can just name her Link. Link, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, th- that would have been better, except maybe confusing uh, in the game itself. But if they just make a Zelda game where it's Linkle instead, and her name is Link in that game, that's fine too. I mean, I just wow, people care about this way more than I thought they would. Well, when you're starving and somebody yeah. gives you a cracker, as yeah. Murphy said. I mean, few things matter less than the gender of whoever is the hero of a Zelda game, but yeah. uh, it would be cool if they made a, a mainline Zelda title where it, Link was a girl. That would be totally fine with me. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Angel X03, anyone excited for Xenoblade Chronicles X despite the controversy surrounding it? Despite the controversy, I'm excited for it um, in general, really. Um, I've been hearing pretty good things about it, about the sheer scope of it. And I think they were saying it's larger than, what, Fallout and what was the other game? Skyrim Combined, I guess. Really? So it's pretty big. The only thing I've heard that I'm a little uh, trepidatious about is that you don't really get the robot, I think, until what most people are saying, at least like eight hours in. So that's a lot of walking to do because... 
<laughs> yeah. And the neat things about this was that you get this transforming robot that you can zip around in. So you're going to have to work for it, though, it sounds like. Shortly before we recorded, I was watching someone stream it, and they sure were getting across very large plots of land, as you were just describing. I guess that game has a lot of – because I never played Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii. Uh, but it's a lot of it's a lot of traversal. Yeah, those environments yeah. were enormous, and <laughs> you pretty much had to just walk. Wow, <laughs> or warp around if you wanted to. Yeah, there was like a fast yeah. travel. System. A little less interested this time around because in um, Chronicles X, it's just a planet that you're exploring. In the original game, you're basically exploring the f- frozen corpses of these two giant aliens that were blocked in battle together, and you so you you'd climb up one of their shoulders and go across on the sword that was stuck into the chest of the other aliens. Then you kind of, it's kind of hard to follow that up with just a regular, um, you know, planetary exposition. Yeah. That does sound a little, a little disappointing <laughs> by comparison. I mean, I, I like the first one well enough and I'm interested in this one. I guess not interested enough to know that it was coming out soon. Mm-mm, yep. And I guess is the controversy the thing there were bikinis and now there's fewer bikinis. Well, they took out the bikini for the young with the like the underage character and they took out the boob slider for the character customization. Uh, I just can't so, yeah, get like, that head up about stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with Fatal Frame. I was like like I get it. If you're the sort of person that's into that thing, you're mad. But I'm the sort of person who is like, there's enough weird stuff in Fatal Frame already yeah, yeah. that makes it kind of hard to justify why I like these weird games that can have a lot of gross stuff in it. So mm-hmm. I don't need like gross bikinis in them as well. Yeah, that when you uh, Todd, you wrote about that in the X button, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I didn't know that about that Fatal Frame game that they offered you a lingerie option, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's for a horror game. That's where you're. The point is that you are a vulnerable woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not cool. They've always had costumes like that. Yeah, I figured. I've I've never been a fan of that series. I, too. I, I love Fatal Frame. Like, right. The first three are like some of the best survival horror games. Um, but I've always felt like I've had to be like, yes, but you're right. Well, <laughs> like I have to rattle off this like list to endure myself of criticism. But, like, <laughs> I mean. It, it is like bonus stuff, so I get it. Having like a young character with a bikini does seem kind of weird. Mm-hmm. It's a little different, but like all the characters in Fatal Frame are like teenage girls or you. <laughs> yeah, I whatever. Anyway, all right, moving on. Uh, Edven Charles asks, "What are your thoughts on the rising prices of older games for once unpopular systems like Sega Saturn or 32X?" I mean, <laughs> oh well. I feel vindicated because I was buying those back when they were new. So, <laughs> yeah, I was right all along. I told you the Saturn was better than the PlayStation. Just look on eBay. Well, uh, I, 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 I sort of assumed that as I got older and as as my generation got older, uh, physical like cartridges, CDs, things that are going to become a thing kind of of the past uh, as we move to, to our all, all digital future, uh, as even now, like I, I rarely have physical copies of games anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I always just assumed that largely used game shops that carried retro stuff, all of it would just wind up with collectors. And like, as time went on, even like sports games for super Nintendo might eventually dry up just because they've been trashed or given to collectors or whatever. 
But I assumed like 32X and Sega Saturn things were maybe the print runs weren't as big or the console wasn't as popular, didn't last as long. I assumed that stuff would all dry up first because as my, people my age, as maybe the first generation to have grown up with video games, you know, as you get older and you get expendable income and as you get into turn and you as you sort of slowly enter middle age, you want to sort of surround yourself with some accoutrement from your youth. So you collect that stuff. I just assumed it would disappear. Right. And it's weird to see something like, I don't know, the Turbo Graphics become such a hot collectible. Right. Because I do remember that stuff. Every Toys R Us seemed to have that. Every, like, EB Games and GameStop, it was there. And um, it wasn't quite as popular as the Sega and Nintendo stuff, but it was, you know, available in the mass market. So it's just strange to see people like but paying a hundred of dollars for a system that with you know a huge stain on it or something or, right yeah or like you know 78 bucks for a copy of cosmic carnage or yeah <laughs> that that itself is weird yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well if you like go on amazon and look up old games mm-hmm. like holy man the the yeah. the, the prices people try oh, and put on those things thing. It's, a lot of it's really just collector things. Like, for right. example, the Saturn version of Bomberman, you know, with the 10-player mode and everything. Yeah. The American version sells for like $200, and you can get the Japanese version, and, you know, you don't really need a lot of language yeah. to play Bomberman. Then the Japanese version is like just 30 bucks. so. Well, that is the best Bomberman. Yes, it is. Objectively, Saturn Bomberman, everyone knows that. Like, <laughs> so, of course, everyone wants that one. Like, if you have a Saturn... Yeah, what maybe. games do you have? You have Burning Rangers, you have <laughs> yes. Saturn Bomberman, and you have Burning Mr. Bones, Bones, and you have Bug, right? And that's it. <laughs> and then maybe Scud the Disposable Assassin. Clockwork Knight. Yeah. <laughs> this is <Asshole. laughs> These are what you have. <laughs> um, Dave, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess from my perspective, like, with stuff that old... I don't really feel that bad about pirating it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's not like, you know, the dude who made Bomberman is not seeing any of that money from your Bomberman purchase, <laughs> for example. So I don't feel like I'm necessarily being, like, the worst criminal for just taking it. And so, like, it's really just the people who are, like, sort of, I don't know. Like It's, it's a museum I, thing. You're, you're yeah. building a little shrine. So everybody gets to be happy because if you just want to play the game, it, it ain't that hard to steal them. So I, maybe it is because I don't remember how you mod a Saturn, but you can probably just emulate it now. I yeah, know. I was about to say you can emulate all of this stuff. Uh, you know, the, the physical yeah. stuff is really for collectors, which is which is cool that it's available for them. But it looks like that is turning into a collectors only market. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how much further it's going to go. I mean, people have been talking about how the, you know, the collectors market might collapse in the next few years, but it doesn't really show any signs of doing that. You've still got people out there paying, you know. $200 for Pocky and Rocky and it's going up. I saw somebody, I was in a, a used video game store. They were trying to sell a boxed Super Mario Brothers, not Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, just boxed Super Mario Brothers uh, for $199. Wow. <laughs> and it uh, wasn't sealed. It was mm. just in the box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That sounds about right. A lot of the black label early Nintendo games are getting kind of crazy expensive for no reason. I mean, it's like Urban Champion and Clue Clue Land. And, yeah. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, yeah. I like watching the prices of that stuff just because, <laughs> like, you know, there may be a copy in my closet somewhere. 
or whatever. So, but you might have a little Samson in there or something. Yeah, right. You know, oh hey, chubby cherub. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> ah, this fine game. Yeah. Um, all right, Hazukari wants to know who's your dream character that you want to see in Smash Brothers. Cloud has been taken. So if that was your answer. Wow. You got to come up with something new, Todd, because I know that was going to be your answer. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's, well, it's basically yeah. any character I can go with. Well, yeah, any you character. Oh, uh, man, I was going to say that Kirby eating Rob already exists, so I don't have an answer because that's my favorite Smash Brothers character. Um, gosh, what have I seen recently that I feel like there's probably like some Bayonetta crossover? That could be done, but obviously not Bayonetta. That's too basic. So, like, Rodan from that game. Well, I mean, you know, the possibilities are... That's what I'm going with. Even Hideki Kimiya. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say Zayla and or Callista from the last story. I think they're already in as a trophy or something. Uh, That'd be kind of fun if Nintendo remembered that game. Hmm. That's probably my favorite uh, Nintendo-backed game from the last few years. Where and it'd be funny if you, you. Yeah. And, you, you know, you could have Callista's wearing the wedding dress and, you know, slapping people when they won't marry her because that's kind of her big moment from the game. I am going to say disgraced former president Richard Nixon. <laughs> because well, who's going to stop you? Who wouldn't buy that? <laughs> Wouldn't like America needs to get on the level about our historical figures in the same way that Japan does, where we create fantastical versions of them and put them in our stupid cartoons and video games. Oh yeah, like well, we need to do that. Nixon from Socks the Cat Rocks the Hill, or uh... this would be like late career, like not before, like pre Watergate, but like things are kind of going south. Like <laughs> late, late career Nixon, I, I would say. Um, and, you, you know, you can come up with all of his attacks and everything like this is this is a gold mine waiting to happen. Somebody make a Smash Brothers clone using historical figures and so, I will champion it. So Nixon would like record uh, someone's attack and play it back for them or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like his final his final shit would be like intentionally destroyed Vietnam peace talks in order to win an election, <laughs> which he did. He did do oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but you could have Reagan with his, you know, the, the October surprise or whatever. Oh yeah. Fuck man. Reagan. Yeah. Writes himself. All the support characters would be super easy. Like the game makes itself. Guys. They're cabinets. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> okay. Red car 728 thoughts on indivisible. Will they make it to their goal? They got about 15 days left, and I kind of think they will. At least I hope they will. I mean, the demo is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to get through awesome. it without, like, fighting the last boss. So, Okay, I'll tell you two tricks. Oh, what, what? First off, one of the tiger, the tiger girl is best girl, if I may use the terminology. Um, yes, one yes. of her supers is a heel. Uh, and the other thing is that thing where she runs up and goes, Bleh, and turns the guy purple and does, like, 200 damage. That is a yeah. slow. <laughs> so those are the two techniques that I are not immediately obvious that got me through that last boss. Because oh, otherwise you mean, you're like, why is she doing 200 damage? This attack sucks. Right. So wait, you actually got by without fighting the boss or you beat it? Oh, no, no. You, there's a way to do it without beating it? That's what the uh, the backer, the designers said. I haven't oh, figured it out yet. Right. Because there's something about like a pacifist run. I guess. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah, it shows a lot of promise. I'm really, I'm actually looking forward to it more than um, Exist Archive, which is, 
kind of sort of Valkyrie Profile style game by Triace itself. So, yeah, I, uh, I I'm excited to play Indivisible. I hope they get it out the door. Uh, it, full disclosure, I'm friends with several people who are making that game, uh, but yeah, it, it's it. They're striking a balance there with kind of Symphony of the Night meets Paper Mario meets a few other kind of things. I had complaints about the frame counting battle system drove me crazy at the boss like you guys were just talking um, because they're expecting you to count frames and I'm just not that guy. I can't do it. So fighting game, you know, that that was well, the the guy who designed who's designing that game is a huge fighting game guy. Like he's (laughs) really into fighting games. And so that's what he made, and my, that was my first, like, piece of feedback was this frame-counting stuff has got to go. Like, this is not something uh, pleb, plebeians like me can do. I, we can't do it. Make it simpler. Uh, the blocking thing in that game drove me nuts. But the prototype was super promising. I thought it looked great, and I really want to see him make the whole game. So. Yeah, I just feel so, like, hashtag blessed to get two Valkyria Chronicles successors in the same year or sorry valkyrie profile which is like mm-hmm. i never thought they were going to make another one of those again like i just like of all the this sort of game genres or whatever you want to call it like that would have been at the bottom of my list it certainly would have been beneath valkyrie chronicles like nobody cares about valkyrie profile it's not real until there's a valkyrie profile three starring you know harassed yeah. the- yes yes harassed the the grumpy one yeah, the like the one you want a game about in the first mm-hmm. place. I mean, Silmaria, Silmaria could be pretty grumpy, but yeah, I mean, you didn't get that pure strain. I almost would take another Silmaria game just because the second one was barely about her either. So yeah, I mean, the second one was not the first one. <laughs> yeah, the first it's, one uh, is, is a great game, or like <laughs> one of the all-time greats. Second one, pretty good game. Yeah. All right, uh, we got to blow through these pretty quick here. Uh, Demol8 wants to know if any of us play Darkest Dungeon. Uh, I have seen it in action. I have not played it myself. Me neither. I really want to play it. It, sound, it sounds like right up my alley, but I don't play early access games. Oh, okay. Because I just don't want to burn out on them before they're actually finished. Before they're finished, yeah. I, I found that uh, the game that I played throughout early access and I'm still playing was Crypt of the Necrodancer, which I obviously have not finished because <laughs> it's very difficult. But I, that's my sort of if I'm if I just want to zone out, I just bang my head against Crypt of the Necrodancer uh, for a few hours and uh, maybe not a few hours. But that that was in early. I got bought that when it was in early access and it went full access. It went full access. It yeah. went <laughs> it, it, it was finished and the finished product is considerably better than the early access product. But yeah, that that's the only one of those I continued playing after the early access period. Um, okay. Let's see here. Steve Hennel asks, would you prefer to see a high moon or platinum on a new Transformers game? Didn't platinum make the most recent one? I think they did. Yeah, I think he's contrasting the two developers. Is yeah. High Moon responsible for the other one? Oh, did they? Did high Moon make the... I didn't... I don't follow Transformers stuff that closely, but I, I did play a little bit. I rented the, the platinum one just because I wanted to see how well they recreated all that Sunbow animation. And they did an amazing job. Like the walks, Optimus Prime's walk cycle is the same. It looks incredible. (laughs) It looks incredible. Like the game itself, whatever, you know, it's Transformers character action game. But boy, they really captured that old Sunbow animation. (laughs) 
Minus the arrows, though, right? Yeah, yeah, none of that. Uh, there's clipping and stuff, so maybe that's sort of the spiritual successor. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like either of you really partake. Yeah, I'm looking just looking forward to getting to that. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to getting to that one. I'm, you know, in my own time. So I think you'll like it. Yeah. It, it seems like it's a Todd. Like it, <laughs> it, it ever well every now and then I'll play a game and I'll be like I think this is kind of a Todd thing oh. and uh, sometimes I'm right sometimes I'm not though so mm-hmm. does I, it use like the original actors their voice clips or does it yes it is all the original dudes with Casey Kasem even too wow. uh, well okay not the dead ones aren't in it <laughs> I was thinking they use his old clips or something like that or uh, I you know I'm not sure I made it to a part with uh, okay here's the thing I am not a big Transformers guy okay. uh, so I don't know what character that is all I remember is that uh, I didn't learn this until I was growing up but he voiced my two favorite Transformers um, when I was a kid so I kind of I think uh, Cliff Jumper is one of them and um, Blue Streak and Casey Kasem voiced them both. Huh. And then, and then he quit the show because they did some racist uh, caricature of an Arabian dictator. So, <laughs> good yeah. for him. All yes, right. can't blame him. <laughs> he quit when he's like King Arthur's court. You're you're <laughs> fucking kidding me. I'm not doing this. And like stormed out because the show no, was no, so they, stupid. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they had a Middle Eastern country called Carbamia. And that was no, wrong. they didn't. What? They did. Yeah. What is this an actual episode? There's an episode of this. I think it's like it came after the movie, but. Yeah, just there's a, there's a country in Transformers named that. And that's, okay, well, like what you said, racist dictator. I I was thinking of like some fat guy in like a beige military uniform with a bunch of medals and like yeah. a saber. I wasn't <laughs> thinking like a, they literally named a country. Carbomia. <laughs> that's terrible. That's yeah. That's like I, bad conservative political cartoon. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Optimus Prime has a big label on him that says high taxes. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> Megatron's labeled debt or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it is a political cartoon. Um, all right. All soon, no dare. I asks, what are your hopes and predictions for Persona Five? Anything from the previous games you hope they build on? Anybody? I mean, I'm I'm super psyched. I, like, it's almost heresy to say that I like the recent Persona games more than I like Shin Megami Tensei. Oh, okay. <laughs> I loved Persona Four. Like. You know, um, so sorry. I was just going to say a lot of people did. Yeah, <laughs> it was very yeah. popular. I'm so like the social links. So good. Combine your personas. Amazing. Uh, and I'm just so down with like the small town kid solve a murder mystery. Mm-hmm. It could like actually be kind of weird and creepy in parts. So I'm kind of hoping they stick more with that super like genre vibe and it seems like they might be because yeah. yeah. persona 3 was a little too like kind of generic like we're anime teen soldiers and we like have to fight back the darkness whereas mm. like picking um kind of a more broad genre like murder mystery yeah uh, really worked out in persona 4's favor and now they're going to be like cool thieves and one of the protagonists yeah. is a cat and mm-hmm. then persona 3 was one of the characters with a dog so that sounds great. Yeah, yeah they're doing a, more of a picaresque thing, I guess, which is kind of neat. And I'm kind of hoping that they do more with the dungeons because I like the way the dungeons were, you know, somebody's psychological landscape. But the design was, you know, the whole angular, randomly generated kind of thing. Yeah. And in this one, it's like it's like a demonic Super Mario 64 where they go into the paintings, I guess, and they have all these different level um, landscapes and scenery. 
And I hope that since they're playing up the whole thief angle, they make it almost a little more action oriented. Like you, there's that part where they're jumping over uh, chandeliers on top, you know, some charity fundraiser or something. So if you can jump around and maybe do some more puzzle solving, that would be kind of nice. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Wild arms style dungeons. Yeah, kind of like that. Throw it at switch. <laughs> Man. But just because, like, yeah, totally, I get you on the dungeon things. I hate in games when they're like, all right, we're about to expose your deepest, darkest fears. And it's like, yeah, it's a randomly generated dungeon. It's, a it's four walls and a floor. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm uh, very curious about Persona 5. I have not played any of the previous games, with the exception of about 15 hours of Persona 4. Uh, which had way too many systems for me and, and too much grinding. I found the dungeons to be really tedious uh, at the beginning. I, I dumped a fair amount of time into it and just wasn't getting into it. It was maybe one one too many different systems I had to pay attention to in order to figure everything out and, like, the social links and, like, leveling things up and all those, like, cards and stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It threw me. And so I'm kind of hoping that... Persona 5, I can, I don't know, get it, start it, you know, when it comes out and get into it sort of organically and kind of figure it out as I go along rather than playing it years after the fact and just trying to brute force my way through the systems. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think maybe I was in a little bit of a hurry with Persona 4. So with yeah. 5, I'm just going to, you know, pick it up, see how it goes, and hopefully I'll get into it. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I hope, I hope, to, I hope Tanaka comes back. <laughs> oh, they, they finally render his his uh uh what is that thing Q, QVC his like QVC theme song mm-hmm. all all the lyrics <laughs> can't wait to buy some like bird seed from him or a sword or whatever yeah well and then you know then it's going to be like seven years of Persona Five spinoffs right like if oh, it's yeah. popular oh, fighting game the the dungeon hack and, yeah the dancing yeah. game and another dungeon hack <laughs> yeah, this might be the Persona game to bring back Hitler as a boss so you never know who knows maybe I feel like they're going to keep that stuff to the mainline games <laughs> they can get away with it a little more maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> they're like guys. Everyone pays attention to Persona. You can't put Hitler in it. Really, really, he started off as a painter, though, so, you know, they've got all these portraits. Yeah, he could just be hanging out. I, I really wish they... The thing that I miss from the Shin Megami Tensei games is the, like, conversational stuff. Yeah. And I don't think they'll ever put that in a Persona, but, like, that... Especially in, the, in, in Shin Megami Tensei 4, that stuff was so fun. Um, like, I feel like it's, like, kind of ridiculous to be like, they really... Uh, defined and like narrowed down the dialogue trees, but like the stuff in in Simagami Tensei Four was like markedly better than like Soul Hackers, which got a a re release around the same time, and stuff like. Yeah. So if they could just find a way to get that in without it being too like cumbersome and mechanics heavy, because the Persona games are a lot less about those mechanics. Well, you can always do it in, in Undertale, so <laughs> right. Um... Okay, uh, we're actually going to wrap up there. So uh, that does it for us. Uh, Dave and Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show and, and uh, you know, chatting about video games as, as usual. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Uh, 
Okay, that's our show. Big thanks to Dave and Todd for stopping by. The theme song is Bucharest. It's by the band The New Division. You can check them out at newdivisionmusic.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate it, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.